Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon, and on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 53. Yes. Welcome back to a new episode of Club Management. Last week, we had a little hiatus because I was shifting my energy to some other music-related obligations that had me super tied up all month. But man, was it so much fun. But uh, we are back. And what a treat that was. I think I spoke briefly to you about this last show, but I got a chance to share the stage with the legendary Ultranate at House of Yes. What an honor to warm up the room for her. Um, and she literally laid down this masterclass of a set. If you're not familiar, just a house music veteran, DJ, singer, responsible for classics like Free and Show Me. I mean, you got to do your research. Very, 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 very historic stuff that happened at the House of Yes um, last month. And, you know, I wasn't even fully aware that she DJed. So to get to watch her DJ this massive house set to all the folks at uh, House of Yes was just an absolute honor. And it gives me so much hope about this music thing, man. So many possibilities out there, you know, despite age. Um, And it's really dope to see her still traveling and still making music. So it's a great reminder. Don't ever let anyone tell you that your dreams aren't possible because they are very much so. Um, and there were also some great shows with Ekis at Mood Ring, did a killer show at Rash, uh, all thanks to Next Dimensional, a really great uh, DJ promoter here in the city. I mean, high energy all night, people rocking against the booth. At one point, I thought the booth was going to (laughs) break. That's how fun it was. So big shout out to Next Dimensional for throwing that event. I want to stop and just talk a little bit about how historic and how beautiful this year's Dweller Festival was. I mean, it really felt like a big black family reunion, you know, with your aunties and uncles, your techno aunties and uncles that you haven't seen in decades. Uh, But all of that history from the younger generation, um, you know, in electronic music and the greats, the elders were all in one room celebrating black music. So it was incredible to see the different generations weave our histories together and really show this beautiful timeline from, you know, how things emerge to, you know, where they're going. Um, and I mean, the future of our black electronic music looks super bright. I always think of this beautiful quote by Issa Rae, and it resonates with me so much where she goes um, or says something along the lines of, instead of networking up, it's really about looking at who's next to you and who's just as hungry as you to make things happen and to build the community that you want to see. And Dweller was absolutely that. Um, If you have been listening to the show on episode, I forget what episode that was, but we have actually had Frankie on the show to talk about her vision for Dweller and why building a community and a space for black musicians is so vital. Um, 
and you could just feel that you could feel the hard work the sweat equity and and planning that went into that festival and I mean it was so incredible to watch it play out um the energy here in New York just feels so alive especially after two years of being stuck inside no one can go out um so it was beautiful to finally see people that I hadn't seen since the start of the pandemic and to just be a part of that reawakening, so to speak, of the city. Uh, so yeah, I cannot wait until next year. Big shout out to anyone and, and all the team who threw Dweller. Um, and I just can't wait to see where it goes next year. And speaking about the future of music, it's really interesting to start thinking about how can these ideas of building together or you know, building our own platform so that people can pay us directly or our fans can support us directly. What does that look like as we continue to expand into this futuristic world of the metaverse and even Web3? I mean, it's already happening now and change makers like Austin of Currents FM are leading the way. Established in 2020, Austin launched Currents as a community space dedicated to music, creation and curation. Currents pledges 100% of their support to the artists and the collectives that join the platform. Now, allowing creatives to keep 100% of their profit through this platform is just incredibly awesome. I used to curate a monthly playlist where I could link back my favorite artist's Bandcamp page so that my fans could not only support me, but the artists I love too. And Currents also threw one of the first decentralized music festivals in 2020 with its Common series, an online festival in celebration of music, art, and culture that connected members from all parts of the globe. And I was lucky enough to be a part of it. Now, with the power of Web3 slowly integrating into the art and music world, Currents plans to extend its community-based ethos to a platformless initiative called Recurrent Labs that will allow for platformless income and platformless distribution to flow through its community members. Now, it might be a bit challenging to grasp all of what's going on with the world of Web3 and crypto, so I thought I'd invite Austin on to the show to explain it a little better. We chat about his mission behind Currents FM and Recurrent Labs, the future of Web3, and how he's striving to create a holistic ecosystem where equity comes first for artists and collectives. Currents and the whole family on the platform have been so beautiful to me over this last year, um, you know, especially during the pandemic where a lot of artists were just really not sure how they were going to make income or, you know, feeling really isolated because of the pandemic. And I really, really shout you guys out for really creating an, an authentic ecosystem around that time for people to connect learn, get inspired, and actually make a bit of income during that time. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. That, that, uh, that means so much to, to me and the team, of course, but all, all honor to the team, the community. You know, it, it takes a village and, and everyone really showed up for each other. Okay. And for that, I'm really thankful and proud. Yes, yes. I'm so proud of you guys, too. Um, but before we kind of jump into all of that, I'm interested now that we're speaking for the, uh, the first time to hear about your, you know, your backstory in design and engineering and how that intersects <laughs> with what you're doing now, because that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Yeah, I have a kind of really weird and like non-linear like background, I guess. I 
started out, you know, as an engineer um, and actually as a physicist. Um, and, you know, I guess like sort of uh, was feeling out what I wanted to do and didn't really know. So I was like, okay, like, we'll just go with this because um, like I, 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 I found myself here and um, it was it was really tough and because it was not something that like I um, felt a huge core resonance with mm. you know I'm I'm a community person through and through um, I grew up in Maryland um, I found music through the warehouse rave scene in Baltimore right and um, that was home to me right and it sort of is what I search for that with that feeling of community the um, is what I um, yeah really search for in, in everything I do right so I was doing all this stuff and like it, it was it was a lot and I was still kind of like looking for something that isn't there there's not exactly a vibrant community in a lot of engineering um, disciplines uh, not in the way that we understand it in music at least mm -hmm. um, but um, at some point I started taking design classes and that was fun because it's so collaborative, right? And it's so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's so open-ended and it felt like uh, a way, a, a bridge between my more like creative pursuits in being a musician or an artist, as well as my more scientific pursuits. Um, you know, in, in, in engineering. So, um, you know, with, 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 um, with currents, it kind of all just came together, um, in a way that felt right mm -hmm. in that, like, for me, I feel like I'm excited by the intersection between fields. You know, I think that's where the real interesting problems, the real impactful solutions um, lie are not like fully within one field, mm -hmm. but like between, you know, design and engineering, between web two and web three, um, between, you know, music, arts and, and technology. And, you know, that's high level, but I think it like really concretely um, matters because right. um, the intersections are just less explored and less acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and now we're starting to see, right, that those platforms or those uh, resources that are available to artists right now, they're just not working. <laughs> they don't pay well. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But I was actually doing a little bit of, of digging on your Twitter. And is it true that you used to do some work with uh, NASA's Deep Space Program? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I worked on, uh, I did um, signal processing research in the, for the Deep Space Network. Wow. Um, so context on that is like, you know, we've been like, uh, like throwing satellites into wherever, you know, for, for quite a while. And there are three massive 70 meter satellite dishes, um, evenly spaced around the world in uh, California, Spain, and Australia. And the challenge is like, you know, to actually be able to communicate with these things that are really far away. Right, so what I worked on was the um, like research into how we could take the like 
basically pure noise that we were getting from like the edges of the solar system, Voyagers, like already outside the solar system, right? Mm -hmm. From these old satellites and turn it into something that like we can actually comprehend, like filter out all the noise um, from the super weak signal. Um, it's a really inspiring place, um, yeah. honestly. Oh my God! Did you? Were there any like top secret things that you learned while <laughs> while working, <laughs> or probably something that you can't necessarily share on this podcast? But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, w I wish like Na uh, NASA is like a c civilian, you know, um, like agency. It's it's not military, so almost yeah. everything is there is like open because it's publicly funded um, by taxpayer dollars. So like the results, the the things that everyone's working on, you can actually go and visit, you know, um, and, and see like the scale models of the rovers and all. And, um, you know, that that also like really resonated with me, like sort of, it, it feels like it comes from a similar place as a lot of like the open source stuff that we're seeing in Web3. Yeah, of course. Um, so yes, let's let's talk about Currents FM and um, the sort of genesis behind what the platform does, how it supports artists. For me in particular, it was just an incredible experience to be able to connect with so many of my friends that are in the industry, so many new friends that were just curious about different scenes around the world. And last year, um, the team at Currents FN gave me a platform to DJ. Um, you guys did a really beautiful uh, piece on the podcast and, and what I've been doing with documenting different scenes. And it just felt like a really, again, an, a holistic e ecosystem where people could just come and be themselves and learn something new. Um, so when was that spark? When did you get that kind of spark that, okay, this is something that we need to be doing during the pandemic? <laughs> That's a great question. Um... I think like it came from like this, honestly, like a lot of what you've been saying, like these platforms just aren't working, right? And for us, you know, we're, we're, we're a team of all artists, right? And like, I think that is really important because like, uh, you know, how the, the pandemic affected everyone, but the pandemic affected creative scenes so much because our physical spaces, the connection that happens when we interact with each other was like that much harder, right? And I think that is not a trivial thing. So when we started right around when the, when the pandemic happened and immediately noticed like, I mean, all of the things that, that, that everyone has, has been experiencing, right? And what we also saw what were these attempts at recreating those feelings of connection that really allow for like creative communities to thrive. Mm -hmm. um, but they were filtered through these like, um, like lenses. I'm not sure what the right analogy is, but like, you know, an individual Twitch stream or like going live on Facebook or Instagram, but these things that just feel they don't feel right, you know, and like that is something that we didn't um, just ignore. Like we were like, why doesn't why doesn't this feel right, right? And the reason was because um, creativity um, relies on communities to be expressed, right? And like the question became, how can we um, uh, build a space? 
um, for our communities to uh, just be, you know, not like, you know, you you'd set up your OBS, you set up your Twitch stream, and then you watch your view can't go up, and then you like, like drop like reminders to like do things. Not, I mean, all of those are actions that people can take, but in general, like the the space itself was not designed for communities, yeah. and that was the core, um, uh, like sort of driver behind it all. So we tried a lot of things, you know, and. The vision is a holistic ecosystem, but um, you know, right now we're in this phase of like, okay, like we've learned a lot about why Web two was so damaging to our communities, mm. and we're getting ready to um, actually, you know, patch up all the holes and um, launch something that we hope um, will directly address. Uh, the problems that uh, this like plat gatekeeper platform model um, create, right? Right. Um, um, I was going to say, um, uh, in the case of myself with my playlist, my monthly playlist that um, I was kind of cranking out last year through Currents FM, it provided a way for my fans and friends to support me in a way that didn't feel industry like industry-like, you know, <laughs> that's the best way for me to describe it. It it gave people the option to, you know, pay if they wanted to donate something, but it never felt like industry-like pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it felt honest and genuine. And that's what I really loved. I also loved that you all were able to put together, uh, I mean, these digital music festivals kind of bridging all of the different music scenes around the world together. Can you talk a little bit about um, the multiverse events that you threw and how that, you know, what was the process behind putting all of those events together? Because I'm sure it was really complicated. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a roller coaster. That, I mean, <laughs> so we have a joke in the team that like there's three types of fun. There's like type one fun where it's fun, type two fun where it's not fun, but fun in retrospect, mm -hmm. and type three fun where it's not fun and not fun in, in retrospect. <laughs> Thankfully, this this is type two. But um, going back to the question, um, so every feature that we explored um, on the website was centered around this idea of like collectivity in creativity, collectivity and creativity. How is that expressed, right? You know, from the playlists. You know, a playlist is a um, representation of or an acknowledgement of like recognizing the work of a large amount of people, yeah. you know, to collectives where, you know, one of the problems with membership models is that um, there's, if there's two artists that have similar fan bases, then audiences are forced to choose between two folks that they like both like, yeah. right. And like, why is it that we're forced to compete when in reality we're collaborating, right? So like that started this whole um, like thought process behind, okay, the collective, the collective is important. Um, it's always involving how do we express that, right? And that became the multiverse where um, in the multiverse was the result of a number of events that we had thrown throughout 2020 um, called Common. And um, with Common, you know, the idea was that um, 
the individual profile lens that we see across all platforms, uh, whether they're digital or physical or anything else, um, benefits people who already have a platform, mm -hmm. right? And for some reason, we all think that that's the only way to do things. Um, and we were like, well, wait, what if we just explore like another way? Let's bring in a lot of folks who are building, you know, their audiences right now. Mm -hmm. And like, doesn't that benefit everyone if audiences cross pollinate and it brings in more, more people, it feels alive in a way that is not just like egocentric, you know, and um, that became common. You know, we um, invited anyone really to uh, curate their own lineup, their own collective and featured those lineups um, together with other collectives lineups and like everyone wins right it's not a, it's not a pure like zero-sum competition right. um and that led to the multiverse where you know height of the pandemic everybody was really isolated you know myself i was quarantined um our team we were quarantined individually as well and like the community was going through a similar thing we really needed to real like to feel that um there was someone on the other side of the screen mm. so the result was the multiverse and how the multiverse worked was two things one is um like one of the things that i really believe in my design practice is that um, human beings don't belong in boxes mm. you know we're not these standardized cogs that work for the machine that's just not how it works and nowhere else can you see that more clearly than in music mm. right so we rejected feeds uh, we rejected grids um, we wanted to create a space that felt like a space right. so we riffed on that metaphor of space right um invited folks to come share that space um together and the multiverse festival is what came out of it and um yeah really proud of the community really proud of the team it required like a lot of work, but I think it was quite a beautiful moment to see um, all of that come together into the largest, you know, decentralized music, digital music event um, ever. Yeah, no, seriously, it really was. And it, and it felt so fun to just be able to sit at home and pop into these different rooms and quickly going back to um, the playlist idea with everyone's playlists uh, that are curated on Currents FM, it was also a chance to be able to support the artists directly, right? So you could go to their band camp, buy uh, the music that they're putting out uh, through the playlist, essentially. So I really love that idea of just keeping everyone connected in this ecosystem. Yeah, it's positive sum, you know, like not everything is a cutthroat competition. There are some places where it, it is, but if we collaborate, you know, then like we can like grow together. And that was like a lot of the thinking behind the place as well. Like we don't want to gatekeep content. We just allow for like other places where artists can be directly supported. Uh, to be featured as well. And we provide a means of direct support, but yeah. um, ultimately it was a, an acknowledgement. It was an attempt at acknowledging, you know, that um, like really positive sum in interconnectedness. Yeah. 
So now that leads to Recurrence Lab and what's going to happen in this new Web3 world. And before we start, I know a lot of friends of mine and people that are not in tune with, with uh, what's happening with Web3 are just kind of like not sure what it is. Could you explain <laughs> what Web3 is? Yeah, great question. Um, so Web3, crypto, you know, decentralization, what do these all mean, right? And um, it's confusing to a lot of people and that's okay because it's still being developed. Like even Web3 people are confused by Web3. <laughs> so first of all, uh, it's not just you, but really sort of it starts with the blockchain, right? And I have a really, um, like uh, there's, a, there's an analogy, a, a metaphor I really like um, to illustrate this because, you know, technical jargon is one, super inaccessible and two, well, it's just super inaccessible. <laughs> um, <laughs> traditionally, let's say that, you know, we need to have a bank or something and keep track of people's accounts. Um, you say this one person is trusted and they'll keep the books, right? But um, we know that like that they're not always honest about it. And, uh, you know, in fact, they're usually not honest about it. Just look at how often the market crashes, right? So um, the original sort of decentralized technology called the blockchain or a decentralized ledger, um, you know, you can understand it as like, okay, we don't want one person to keep the books because that's a recipe for corruption. Um, we all want to keep the books, but then that's chaos. So what do we do? Well, we play a game where every time a transaction is made, um, we play this game and the winner gets to write down the next line. And then we copy the next line down to all of our own notebooks. And we do that over and over and over. And in that way, we can transparently keep um, a notebook, um, a storage of data, you know, broadly speaking, right. where um like it, it it is uh decentralized at the like fundamental fundamental level Interesting. um so that brings us to web3 right because you know if you think about internet technologies like there's layers and layers there's like data storage and then there's like servers and then there's like i don't know there's like a, a lot of things right Right. And what Web3 is, is like applying those like sim very similar um, like protocols is what they are, just like um, uh, very similar practices to every single layer of the web mm -hmm. so that um, we have an open and like community owned and decentralized future, right? Um, now there's a lot of arguments for and against, but, um, at a high level, that's what Web3 is. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a lot to unpack, uh, yeah. but it's really going to be interesting to see what, uh, you all do now that we're entering this space. I love how you describe this, this new, um, I don't want to call it a platform because it's essentially platform list. Um, and it's a way to distribute a lot of what artists are doing in a fair way. And I'm interested to hear more about how you um, are going to allow for the community's content to flow onto this, this new and improved currents. Totally. Recurrent Labs, um, we're a protocol and a platform. And the 
the the goal of the platform is to create the momentum needed to launch the protocol. Um, so what exactly do we mean by protocol? Well, um, if you are on your computer, um, move your if you move your mouse to the address bar and click on it, you'll see uh, HTTPS right there, right? And that's a protocol. Um, it's an open standard for how we exchange information or how we can interact with each other mm -hmm. um, through technology, right? And um, one of my hot takes is like culture is a protocol. It's just not a num like a quantitative protocol. It's a qualitative one, mm -hmm. right? Um, but um, the example I like is this. Um, let's say that you discover a song randomly on a algorithmically suggested playlist on the internet. Um, in a parallel universe, your best friend, uh, someone in your family sends you that same track and it's like, this is my favorite track. You know, I, I've been listening to it for 10 years. Um, the content stayed the same, nothing about the content changed, but in one universe, your personal valuation changed by a lot. You know, it could be orders of magnitude larger. Um, and that intuitively um, is what um, we're trying to solve. Uh, as in like ownership is really important and it's a really important discussion to be having right now. Um, but in the same way of, you know, if you're just starting out with a Twitch channel and you're building your audience, you know, if you own your content, um, you still need to that, that sort of very communal effect of seeing, be, being seen, hearing, being heard, sharing um, for this creative work to become culture, right? And, um, you know, in, in the past, you know, copyright was a form of ownership and artists had to mortgage, you know, their ownership in order to get distribution, right? So, um, that's sort of the background. And what we are acknowledging is that um, because of the open and decentralized nature of Web3, there's now this possibility of um, like individual artists, communities, etc., cetera, um, connecting with each other and sharing their audiences, right? Mm -hmm. And that allows for... Um, people to uh, distribute their content along the lines in, in which they already interact um, mm -hmm. and, and, and access that without going through the gatekeeper platforms like Spotify or, or uh, social media or um, large labels, et cetera. And this new platform is going to be powered by Solana. Can you tell folks a little bit about that type of cryptocurrency? Am I right in saying yeah. that it's similar to Ethereum? Yes. Okay. So um, both Solana and Ethereum are what, um, you know, Web3 people in Web3 jargon call like L1 networks. That means like, like the fundamental layer um, that, um, uh, that powers Web3. Right, and Ethereum is incredible. You know, it has a lot of problems, you know, like, you know, practically speaking, if I try to send you some Ethereum, then I might be paying like 50 bucks um, in, in, in network fees to send like a couple dollars. 
it, it doesn't really scale. Um, Solana is cool because um, it scales beautifully, right? It is what it is the fastest uh, by by many metrics, you know, um, L1 network out there. I'm having trouble talking about this without getting too technical. No, that, that's okay. <laughs> I think people would appreciate the technical because, you know, I'm still also kind of wrapping my head around it. Is it... Is it right to say that Solana and Ethereum, because I think that there's still some mysticism about what cryptocurrency is, mm-hmm. they, can, they can be used to store information and exchange goods, right? Yeah, so what an L1 network, you know, how I would understand it as is like um, a big decentralized computer that you can run things on, right? Um, in the same way that, you know, Bitcoin runs on a decentralized ledger where we play this game, um, the innovation of Ethereum and Solana and other L1 networks is adding the ability to run programs right. uh, on it as your tokens move back and forth, right? And um, Solana in particular is extremely fast and the fees are extremely low, right? And um, that has like real effects because if everything you want to do costs, you know, 30, 50, hundred, dollars, then uh, no one's going to use it. Right. And this is a big discussion in, 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 in web three land right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we decided to use, uh, to build on Solana, a lot of interesting projects in NFTs, web three in general, et cetera, um, have been launching on Solana because of this. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think we've been seeing some revolutionary things happen in the NFT space and with Web3 already. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I was like, you know, <laughs> frantic trying to buy the new Nas NFT. And essentially, <sighs> uh, he was allowing people to buy uh, ownership, a, part, a little bit of ownership into two of his famous songs, Ultra Black. And I forget the other name, name of the tune, but... Um, rare. Rare, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so amazing to see a rapper of that level allowing his fan base to like essentially own his music in, in some way, shape or form. I mean, how do you feel about the future of cryptocurrency being used in that kind of way for artists? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, accessibility is the thing that I tend to focus on. Right. And that's what gets me excited about a lot of these NFT projects is not necessarily exactly what folks are doing. Um, I think that like the right way, so to speak, uh, to do things will naturally emerge. Um, but the pure accessibility um, is something that is really exciting. Now, right now, we're in this early phase where there's a lot of noise. Um, we're not quite sure what the future will hold. We just know that um, this technology is really powerful and has the potential to really open up a lot of things that were previously closed. So is this, you know, the right time, you know, there's a lot of questions about, um, you know, where's this going? Is this gonna eat the world? Is it a bubble, et cetera? I don't know. It could be any of them, but um, I can only talk about how excited I am about the potential for accessibility um, to real, like, um, uh, you know, whether it's financial tools, ownership tools, distribution tools, et cetera, um, to, to, to open up. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see what recurrence will do in this space as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was a little bit disheartened when I saw you post about some of the transgressions and, and just challenges that you've been facing trying to get this sort of platform off the ground. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts and how you've been dealing with some of the difficulties of, of trying to uh, yeah, bring this idea to the Web3 space. <laughs> um, well, you know, something I will always say is like, like, like all creative work, you know, ideas, uh, it's not my idea or someone else's idea, you know, like creativity thrives when, when people come together. So like the ideas um, that we've been working with are a result of all of the collaborations that we've done with the community, um, whether it was through the common events, through the currents, a website itself or the multiverse um challenges yeah i mean <laughs> um things are hard you know yeah. um we are bootstrapping things and when we first launched common you know it, it was it was running out of my own savings which was not a lot and um you know i got more eyes than we expected so um it was a good thing but uh uh you know, that meant the costs were uh, also much more than, than expected. So, mm -hmm. you know, throughout 2020, quite a few of our team members were like kind of floating around, couch surfing with friends, um, navigating these like border restrictions, trying to, trying to get home really. Mm -hmm. um, so um, for me personally, um, you know, I, I, I it was, uh, like uh, either type two or type three fun, you know, I was uh, <laughs> like, you know, staying with friends, getting this thing up uh, for like a, a, a little more than a year. And I, I think I'm very fortunate to have been able to return to, to California and um, start building like a really stable base to, to, to launch the full project. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah, this, it is challenging, especially when you have to fund something on your own. Um, but hopefully uh, you guys will get receive some funding and um, we'll be able to power this thing sooner than later. Because I'm excited to see it kind of kick off now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we're 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 really lucky. We, ra we did raise a little bit of money. Um, really excited by folks, many of the folks who built like the fundamental layers of Web3. Um, right. And um, the what I see is this confluence that, um, you know, post peak COVID, I don't know if I can say that, but um, where um, wherever you look in music, in art, in, in technology, in Web3, people are trying to build a more open and a more equitable world. And we finally have the tools to do it. Right, and that's what I'm excited about. So, um, we raised seed uh, very recently, um, not a huge amount, but enough to 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 get the protocol off the ground. So, I'm really excited to um, for 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 2022 and 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 for what this year will bring. Excited too. Um, well, thank you so much. You know, if, if folks want to follow and keep up to date with uh, Recurrence Lab and Currents FM in general, where can they find you? Uh, join our Discord. 
Um, it's on our socials, uh, the link, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we have lots of, you know, community events, um, whether they're like matchmaking or um, like introducing artists to jam together or like Skillshare's workshops. You know, part of our duty um, to the community is to foster these connections um, that like uh, create, you know, creativity. Uh, so to speak, right? And yeah, participate, you know, um, pitch us if you have ideas, like we're happy to jam. We've, we've done numerous collabs before and we, we will do numerous collabs in the future. Uh, so just reach out. We're coming out of the interview between me and Austin of Currents and Recurrent Labs. Such an interesting conversation um, at Dweller during the Underground Resistance panel, which was just absolutely beautiful. I bought this up. Um, to some of the other panelists. Uh, it was comprised of Jada Lorraine, uh, D. Diggs, and um, some other really key members of the Detroit and New York music scene. Um, and I asked, how do black artists in particular um, build equity in music? Whether that means building our own record labels and clubs, our own festivals, or getting fans to directly support this. Um, and of course, this conversation can extend to any artist for that matter, any artist of any background. Um, but I think this is the beginning and on the next episode, we're actually going to continue this conversation about Web3 and equity with jazz musician and ancestral futurist Mark DeClive Lowe. Um, he's been using the power of Web3 and crypto to actually buy back his music catalog from his label, which I just think is absolutely badass. I mean, through and through. So uh, make sure you tune into that. That will be the week after next um, but thank you so much. If you'd like to support the show, please do so on patreon.com slash clubmanagement1. You'll get access to early episodes and bonus content on me. So <laughs> there's your incentive. Um, thank you so much. And until next time.